This is episode 171 of the Church Venture Northwest podcast. We're finishing Men's Roundup 2016 with Gus Bess. This is session four, Sunday morning. Uh, This is our last time together for a while, and so I thought I'd bring two Bibles. And um, I want to remind you that you're great men of God. I want to remind you that the prayer of a righteous man The prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful. You have to understand it's powerful. It's effective. Are you righteous men? Yes. You remember this when you go home. You remember this in your job. You remember this when you have these beautiful wives and you can put your hands on them and say, sweetheart, I bless you in the name of Jesus the Christ. I am overwhelmed that a woman like you would ever love a man like me. I'm always stunned that my wife Karen has stayed with me all these years. It's like way overwhelming. I want to tell you about the prayer of a righteous man. We're going to talk about holiness today. I want you to know that the Scripture says very clearly, Be holy, for without holiness no man will see the Lord. That was a very concerning statement when I was a young man, and I had to learn what in the world did that mean. There's not something I go do, by the way. But I want to remind you because of last night and we were talking these days, the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous man. Have you ever been in a place where your life was, I like that when it said stuck at midnight. (laughs) You were stuck in the dark. It was like you were depressed. It's like nothing worked. It was like you could not figure out. There was nothing you could pray. It felt like your prayers went out into the air, like they didn't go past your head. I remember living in a place like that. But I want you to know the praise of the Lord changes everything. I want you to know that we were created, that joy not only comes in the morning, it comes to the man of God who learns how to praise God at every moment and give thanks in everything. There was a, a man I knew, and a, well, Kenny Poor. Do you ever heard of Kenny Poor? Any of you here? Okay, at, at Hume Lake, amen. In the ni- around 1980, I met Kenny Poor, and he was telling me a story. Now, he's a very outgoing, outspoken, A-type personality, okay? This guy doesn't have down days. He just goes and goes, and he had a, uh, it's a camp out in California, beautiful camp up in the high Sierras, Hume Lake, and uh, he was having a bad day. He was having a season of an opportunity, and he had a large staff on board, and he came in one morning, and he just looked like Crap. <laughs> Poor John Crapper. You know, we just ruined his name. <clears throat> anyway, the staff comes up to him and says this. He said, uh, how you, you know, you don't look good. And of course, you know when you don't look good and you feel like crap and all that stuff, you don't want anyone even talking to you. And then the guy, and then you know, and when you're like in those moods and he says, well, you know, and the guy says to Kenny, he says, well, you know, when I'm like that, you know what I do? And when, you're in, when someone's really saying that, you're like, I don't care what you do. <laughs> but he's going to say it anyway. And he says, well, Kenny, I go out in the woods where nobody can see me here, and I lift my hands up like this, and I say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, because it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So I say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I do that 10 times, and I feel a lot better. Kenny said, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard in my life. He said, well, you try it, and you'll feel better. That evening came, and it was dinner time, and the guy walks up to Kenny, and he said, well, well, did you do it? He said, 
Yeah, he said, did it work? He said, no. It took 25 times. <laughs> Men of God, you've got to remember who you are. We got days coming. We got opportunities coming. I'm going to read some scripture here to you in a moment. But before I do the eternal breath, I want to tell you a story. When you understand you walk in the presence of God all the time, you are holy men of God. We're going to talk about it. You are righteous men of God. You've got to know when God said for men of God to lift up holy hands, you've got to be able to look at your hands and know, I have holy hands. And the reason they are holy is because the Lord made them holy. He did this. I'm a righteous man. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's what Proverbs says. And if you don't think in your heart that you're a righteous man, if you don't think that the sacrifice of Christ and you receiving this gift of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit made you that, then you're living in a dark, you're stuck at midnight. <laughs> the sun hasn't come up. But if you laid those chains down last night, if you're going to lay them down every day, don't ever be shackled with that sin again. You don't have to be shackled with any of that. I want to tell you a journey that I had. And back in the 90s, I was asked to go to the Ukraine. And and then to Russia, and I was speaking at these churches, and I'd never been in that part of the world. In fact, I flew Aeroflot over there. I thought, what a name for an airline. And I can remember, when I grew up in the, in the Cold War, what we thought of uh, Russian women was like they were these big burly things, you know, and they had big eyebrows. Well, when I got on Aeroflot, that was what the stewardess looked like. <laughs> and she's... <laughs> And I never seen this. I'm on an airplane. And that was the most uncomfortable. There was a bar right in the middle of my back. I could not figure out how to get that bar out of my back. I was in the most uncomfortable seat. It was a Russian aircraft. And, and she's coming down the aisle. You know how they come down with those cars? Except she had a big pot. It looked like a soup. And I'm thinking, are you joking? And she says to me, she goes, she looks at me and she's just got this scuff. She says, borscht? And I'm like, what? Borscht! You said something, Borscht! And I'm, what? And this German guy in front of me turns around and says, she wants to know if you want Borscht. I said, well, what is Borscht? <laughs> she said, he has a soup. I said, oh, I didn't, okay, I'm not really a soup person, but you know, I'm, I'm a simple person, you know, I like meat. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, <laughs> And this is no joke. This is on an airplane. This is on an airplane. And she gets this bowl. She puts this bog, big bowl of soup in there. And then she puts this big blob of white something on it and hands it to me. And I'm sitting on an airplane. And it's kind of slot doing this. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. It was all over the deal. I mean, I'm thinking, I go to drink, eat this stuff. And I was like, oh, Father. <laughs> you said give thanks and everything. So... <laughs> I, I praise you that somebody in this world must think this is good. <laughs> it, was, it was cold cabbage soup. And I was like, oh, man. I get on that, and that was the start of my journey. I, I get into the Ukraine, I go to these different churches, and I preach, and oh, God came down. I could tell you all kinds of stories there, but... Eventually, I'm going to take, I'm supposed to go to Moscow, and I've never been there either. So I said, I'm going to take a train. I'm not going to fly on that Aeroflot again, at least not right at the moment. I did have to, that's another story getting back. But, and, um, but I, get, I take a train, and the lady says, do you want first class? And I said, first class? I've never been first class. I hadn't even been on a train for a long time. 
I said, how much is it? And in my money, our money, it was $39. I said, wow, yeah. I get on that first class train and I get on this train and again, there's a, the, the sister obviously to the stewardess. <laughs> and, and, and she shows me, she's something, I can't understand this thing. And she puts me in this room, this first class room and there, is a little table by the window. There's a dude sitting at the chair drinking vodka like this, and his bunk is on the bottom, mine's on the top, and there's a mackerel on a piece of paper sitting there. And this is my room. And I'm thinking, this is first class? <laughs> and the guy goes, Amerikansky, number one, Amerikansky. Well, as this thing goes on, and I, I thought, I gotta get out of this room. I'm trying to walk the train. It was a mess, and anyway, you. I won't, well, I, I won't tell you all the stuff that happened, but by, but by 11 o'clock, I'm going to bed, and I remember this, and the, the, I found out the guy in my room that I'm sharing this little dinky hole in the wall room, and the, the first class, uh, the mattress was, oh, it, was, it wasn't too bad. It was probably every bit of an inch thick on, on, on a board, and I, and I climb up on this rack, and I remember that mackerel. The guy had cut up his mackerel, and man, it had been laying there all day in the sun. And I go to sleep, and I'm on my side, and all of a sudden I wake up as someone is putting mackerel down my throat. <laughs> and I don't know if you ever had mackerel, it's really oily. And as it's sliding down my throat, I said, Father, bless this. <laughs> it was from the sea captain. And I, I could never really talk to him. I, I said, uh, I tried to say thank you in Russian, and, and I tried to tell him to leave me alone, and he did. And, he got off at the next stop, and I got on to, into Moscow. When I got to Moscow, I, go to a, I was supposed to preach at a Baptist church. It was the largest Baptist church at that time in, uh, in Moscow, and I'd seen, the, I'd seen Red Square, and I, mean, I, and I saw a lot of different people, beautiful people, I mean, absolutely wonderful. I get in there, and they're going to have a translator for me, obviously, and I'm in this back room, and I'm meeting everybody, and all of a sudden, this beautiful young woman comes in. Nothing like, like the two sisters I saw. <laughs> and she walks in and she's my translator. And when she's my, I thought, I've never had a woman translate in all the countries I've been to while I'm preaching. And she spoke to me and just, she sounded like she was from California. And I said, where are you from? She said, Moscow. I said, well, have you been to the States? She said, no, I've never left Moscow. I said, well, man, how did you get, I mean, perfect English. She'd been learning at the university. And I said, okay. She said, well, I'm going to be your translator. I said, okay. She said, would you like me to introduce? I said, sure. She said, okay. She said, what is your name? And I said, and I've got my, I'm all ready to rock and roll. I got the word of God. I think I know what God wants me to say. And I said, my name is Gus Beth. And when I said Gus Beth, she went, oh, do you want me to say that? <laughs> and I went, huh? She said, what is your name? I said, Gus Best. You, <laughs> you want me to say that? And I said, well, yeah, it's my name. She said, do you know what that means? I said, no, I guess I don't have a clue. She said, it means messenger of Satan. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> So I said, oh yeah, I definitely want you to introduce me. I thought, Lord, obviously we've got a new message today. 
They told me the Russians don't laugh, they don't applaud, they don't do anything. I thought, well, we're going to change that today. <laughs> the, the glory of the Lord is at stake. These men and women have been in this country and they know all the right things. They can do the doctrines, but they don't have any life. Their emotions didn't get saved. So all of a sudden I walk in there and we're in there and it's a huge, it was really nice. And I come up and she introduces me, Amerikansky, Gus Best, when she, however she said my name, and a thousand people went, huh? <laughs> the reason I tell you this, and I said, I went just like this. That's exactly who I am. I want you to know you know my father. His name is Lucifer. I'm one of his kids. I was born with his nature, and I fine-tuned that nature. And by the way, you're all my brothers and sisters. And I said, but I was going to tell you along my journey, God came into my life, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I went through this. I'm making this real short. I did it a little longer there. And I said, and I want you to know he came to me and he adopted me. And when he adopted me, he gave me a new nature. It was so radical, it's called being born again. By the time I got through, these Russians were standing up doing this, <laughs> applauding. And then I got them laughing. I thought, I walked and I said, guys, you've got to take it wherever you are and understand every circumstance God puts you in, he puts you in. <laughs> and you can bless his name. I always remember that. And I, I thought, man, I've never been introduced. Can you imagine coming up and being introduced here today? And we have a special guest speaker. He's in a ministry called Overwhelmed by Grace. His name is Messenger of Satan. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about some things today, and because I'm going to leave you with the eternal breath. And I want you to know, as I said last night, men of God, pastors that are here, don't prepare sermons. Go meet with God. Inhale his breath. Read it out loud. Enjoy him. Talk to him about it. I've got so many stories, I wish I had more time to tell you all those things that God has done through my life and how I met with Him. And I, I can't tell you what His presence feels like when all of a sudden He appears and He speaks. Three times in my life I've heard a verbal voice of the Almighty. For three times, as clearly as I'm talking to you, He spoke to me. And I'm going to tell you, it was a holy, holy time between fear and joy all at the same time. But I want you to have his breath, and I want you to listen to this breath. I'm going to read you out of a different translation. I've been doing it a little bit lately out of the New Living Translation. And I want you to listen to this. Please receive the breath of the Almighty. Take your time. If you just want to close your eyes, if, I don't care how you want, just pause yourself. Stop the busyness for a moment of what you're going to do or where you're going to go, and listen to this. Once we, too, were foolish, and we were disobedient. We were misled, and we became slaves to many kinds of lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of envy. Our lives were full of evil, and we hated each other. But, now think of that, but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and his love, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins. What did he do with them? He washed away our sins. How many? All. All. He wa Dudes, get over it. He washed away our sins. Listen to this. Receive this breath. Giving us a new birth. Yeah. 
giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit who has come to anoint you on this day. He generously, he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. What did he do? Generously. You've got to know it's generous. It's an outpouring. It's a fuller, it's a glass that was meant to be so full it's leaking all the time. I can't, I cannot contain it. I'm leaking constantly. I'm overflowing. And then he goes this way. This is such a beautiful thing. Because of his grace, listen, men of God, righteous men, holy men, because of his grace, he declared, because of his grace, he declared us righteous. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous. Did you hear this? Because of his grace, he declared us righteous. I want you to do something before I read any further. Turn to a man sitting next to you and look at him and say, I'm, God declared me righteous. Look at somebody. Tell them. God declared me righteous. That's exactly who you are. Don't forget these moments. Don't forget these days. God declared me righteous. And then look at this. And gave us confidence. He declared me righteous and gave me confidence. What is faith? Faith is sure. It's hopeful. It's certain. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he that comes to God must believe that he exists, and he is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Therefore, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I tell you, rejoice. Let everything that has breath praise the name of the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the name of the Lord. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings. Oh, listen to this. So that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. That is you, men of God. God called you on this time to be on this mountain, to be anointed again, to be refreshed again, to heal your wounds, to open up your life and let you dance before the Lord so that when you go back to your homes, you go back as righteous men with holy hands. You go back and you are able to put your hand and pray. When you see someone in a hurt, when you see, I watched Jared come up here, a great man of God, and the first time I didn't know this man at all, he came up to play on that piano, and I remember I just lifted my hands and, Father, bless the man of God. You can do this for your pastors, you can do this for your children, your wives, you can choose not to be offended. You can choose to bless instead of curse. It is a holy place. I, wanna, I want you to look at, just for a moment, in Isaiah 6 <clears throat> with me today. And then we're going to look at one other a couple portions in, out of holiness. I wanted to bring something to you today about the holiness of who you are. I want you to be able to leave this mountain and know that not only you are a righteous man and you're powerful, you're righteous and you're powerful. Who gave you the power? The power is in the Holy Spirit. He made you a born-again man. He changed your nature. He transformed the way you think. He transformed your emotions. He's taking you to a wonderful place of praise where you're no longer embarrassed. Did you know there is no regret or shame in grace? Did you know that? Amen? There's no embarrassment or shame. There's no guilt. I never have to apologize for being graceful. <laughs> never. That's, the, that's what has been given to us. All I have to do is let it. I don't have to work for it. I just let it out. 
Now listen to these words. In the year that King Uzziah died, this is, this is a prophet. This is a man of God. This is a man of God who is already a prophet. He is the speaker for the Lord Almighty. In other words, he's a man like you and I. He would be known as a man that wants to walk in the presence of God. And this is what he says. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two wings they covered their feet. And with two wings they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost shook and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. Woe is me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I am a man. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King. My eyes, I saw the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs, man, these are the seraphs that are, what do they do? They're crying out, holy, holy. And all of a sudden, the prophet is in ruin. He's a man of a, he's a prophet, he's a believer in God, and yet he has a filthy mouth. And all of a sudden, one of the seraphs stops, and he flies over, and he grabs a coal, and he goes over and touches the prophet's mouth, and he says, see that your sins are forgiven, and you are clean. Men of God, this is what God is called by the beauty of his grace. You who have had filthy mouths, you know this, that you are clean. Know this, that your sins are gone. Know this, and I want you to understand the holiness of the Almighty. I've always told the Lord, I said, Lord, the way we're wired, we believe all the right things, and then we walk out the door and forget. We forget that let everything that has breath. You know your life assignment the rest of your life, no matter how old you are. If you're a young man, you got the rest of your life. Whatever days, God will let you stay in your tent. Some of us are going to offer our tents this year some of, and leave our tents that we live in. Some of us are going to live to be very, very old, but as long as you're in these tents, remember this, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. No matter where you find yourself, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. In fact, I just brought a story to mind. I'll tell it to you in a moment. But I looked at this, and I remind me to tell you a story about the Navajo, Navajo people. Otherwise, I'll probably forget. But I look at this, and I said, Lord, here's mankind. Here's the, here's the seraphs. With two wings they cover their face, with two wings they cover their feet. That's acts of worship. They're bowing, and with two they're flying, and they're crying out, holy, 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 one to another. Can you imagine? It never gets old. It'd be like me to Gary. Hey, Gary, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he creeps back, Gus, holy, holy, holy. And it's like he's never said it before. <gasps> I'm like, oh, wow, wow. I said, now, Father, if you gave us six wings, we would fly faster and do more work. <laughs> we would forget to worship. We would look at this and say, look at the magnificence of what I can accomplish. Men of God, God has called you to be holy. Holiness 
is an act of worship. Holiness, I have a lot of things I would, it's too long to actually give you all the details of holiness today. But holiness is always the act of worship that whatever you find to do today give, it should give glory to God. When you get up in the morning and brush your teeth, do you realize you can brush your teeth to the glory of God? Did you realize, if you still have them, if you have dentures, take them out and <laughs> for the glory of God? Do you know that you can drink your coffee to the glory of God? You can get on your Harleys, your motorcycles, you can go hunting to the glory of God? Do you know that that's what holiness is? And when you surrender your will, if you surrender your will, lay it down before the Lord. Remember when they taught him to pray, he says, teach us. We've lit, lit Jesus, the disciples said, we've been listening to you a long time. You have an intimacy with God we don't have. We believe, we want to know God that way. We want to, we, it's not like they hadn't prayed. Teach us to pray. And when you pray, it's our Father. I want you to know it's our Father. It's not just mine. It's our Father. There's a lot of us here. It's our Father who art in heaven. Father, hallowed your name. Holy, holy, holy. Jared, let us. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the great I am. Your kingdom. Father, your kingdom come into my life today. That's personal. It's always meant to be personal. Father, I'm here as your son. I'm here as a man after your heart. Your kingdom come. Your righteousness. The freedom of, uh, not only freedom from my guilt, I'm freedom from its power. I'm asking for your peace, that harmony, that vibration with the Holy Spirit. I'm, your joy, your, your joy come upon me in the power of your Holy Spirit. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I have surrendered. I'm, I'm into your will. I'm way into your will. I don't want my will. I know what happened with my will, and that's a personal prayer. You know, years ago when I was learning all these things, I didn't know these things. I had to grow up. I didn't have a mentor right in the beginning. I was, I was consumed in the Word of God. I had to, I, I, I've got so many things that I said, Lord, teach me to know you. Teach me to know you. Teach me to know you. And he did. One day of, as I was going through my life, and I've got, I had been studying the Scriptures so long. I was in school now. I'm uh, 27 years old. I started college when I was 24, married with three kids. I worked full-time and went to school full-time, and that's what I did. I wasn't going to have my wife work, and I wasn't going to do anything. The VA helped part of my, uh, pay some of my loans, but I was going in, doing the Greek, doing the theology. I doing the Hebrew. I did the synoptics. I did all the Old Testament, the New Testament. I did all that. I took... Uh, linguistics, because I wanted to learn different languages. I was going through this, and one day it hit me that while I'm studying all this and I'm doing all this, what they call theology and the doctrines, I, all of a sudden, the Bible, instead of becoming God's living breath, became a book, and it became very academic to me. And I realized I told the Lord. My schedule was a 24-hour schedule. I, I put it together for a week, and I color-coded it, and every time there was a slit of red, that means sleep. And there were slits of red all over the place. So I had to I'd just, I'd just sleep. And, uh, and on certain Saturdays, I could crash. And I, all of a sudden, I said, Lord, I want to know you. I feel like I've, I'm, I've known all about you, but I don't know you any better now. I've been in this school for two years, and I don't know you any better. I've got all this stuff down. What do I do? And he says, meet with me. Gus, be willing to meet. And I said, Father, I get up now, I leave here at 6, I'm at school at 7, I get out of school at 1, I go to work at 2, I get home at 9 at night, I, I, I give my wife, I walked in and I said, honey, I'm home, you got 30 minutes, what do you know, what, to talk. 
And as soon as, as, soon as the 30 minutes is over, up, up, your 30 minutes is over. I'm going into the study. And then I would study till midnight, and I'd get up, you know. And I said, I don't have any time. I don't have any time. And he said, well, get up earlier. And I'm thinking, Lord, I'm getting up at 5.30. I don't have any sleep now. Get up earlier. And I, wa- I waited two weeks before this went by, and all of a sudden, because I, I said, the Lord says, don't offer it. Never say something you will do for the Lord and not do it. He takes no pleasure in a fool. Takes no pleasure in a fool. So I'm waiting, 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 waiting. And finally the day came, and I said, okay, Father, I'll set the alarm for a half hour earlier. I'll meet with you. I set the alarm, and honest to God, when it went off, I thought, oh, God, why did I say that? <laughs> I could hardly function. I could hardly function. So I went into my study, and I went, and I opened up the Bible, and I started to read it, and instantly fell asleep. So then I picked it up, and I started walking, reading it out loud like this. And my prayer was about four or five minutes long, and I went, and, and, and I drove for a, a dairy and delivered to Ralph's supermarkets during the day. Man, I was falling asleep on the freeways. You know, 10 days went by, and all of a sudden, something happened, and it got better and better. And what ended up happening, the next thing I know, I'm meeting with the Lord in ways I've never known. I'm, what is it? Seeking Him. I'm earnestly seeking Him. I'm earnestly seeking Him. I'm not seeking something about Him. I'm after Him. I want to know you. I want to know you. And the next thing I know, I'm getting up at 3.30 in the morning. I'm spending, I'm reading 25 chapters a day in the eternal breath. I'm praying for over an hour, and all of a sudden, one day, I lay on the floor. I just felt like I was supposed to lay on the floor that morning, and I laid on the floor, and the Lord came into the room, and literally, you're going to think I'm a hyper, mentally ill. I, he lifted me off the floor. I'm laying on the floor, and the presence of God came into the room, and I literally screamed, stop! Boom! And I said stop for one reason, not because I didn't want that to happen. I didn't, wasn't expecting anything to happen. That scared the whipping weeby jeebies out of me a little bit. But I was thinking of my wife who was struggling with her faith, always thinking, I don't know the Lord like you. And she was always struggling. And I thought, God, if you do something with me now, my precious bride will miss the joy that she's supposed to have in you. I told her about that years ago, and I said, if it ever happens again, I'll see you there. <laughs> the reason I tell you these stories is men, most men are satisfied in reading some scripture, going to church, and doing their business. Faith is earnestly seeking Him. Go after Him because He's made you holy. He freed you up that you can go after Him. Now you can eat and drink and whatever you do for the glory of God. You can take these moments like we read when I read to you and I said, he calls us for holiness. He's called us, he cleansed us. He, he declared we are righteous. God declared me righteous. If I, and why couldn't I believe it? If God declares me righteous, guess what I am? I'm righteous. He declared me holy. Well, then I'm holy. So now he says, now that you're holy, be holy. Be holy. Well, what do you mean? In everything that you do, Gus. Have a smile. Learn to smile more. Learn to lighten up your face. You know, I used to tell men all the time, I have a band of brothers I meet with, and when I first got with these dudes, these, they come now, now I've got guys from 32 different denominations. I mean, I'm not sure that I knew there was that many denominations. 
32 different denominations. I got Mennonites sitting with Pentecostals at a table, okay? These guys would have never had anything to do. And I used to say, is the joy of the Lord your strength? Is the joy of the Lord your strength? Yes, 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 yeah. Amen, amen, amen. Joy of the Lord, amen. I'd say, then notify your face. <laughs> Men of God, when the joy of the Lord is your strength, you can't help it. You're going to walk off this mountain and you're going to go home singing to the Lord. You're going to go home and your wife's going to say, sweetheart, what in the world happened? God awoke me. <laughs> he reminded me what he has done. Sweetheart, if I need to apologize, that's the greatest time to apologize. It's the great, hun, forgive me for not living this way. I'm telling you what, I forgot that the freedom of the holiness of Christ, the righteousness of the Almighty, I'm beginning to learn to know what it is to love people. I'm learning, now I'm starting to understand oh, how to esteem others is more important myself. All of a sudden, I just couldn't help myself. I just, Father, this is the holiness of Christ. This is what so men and women so desperately need. They don't, I mean, do, if you're not living a life that they want to believe in, if they don't want to, who wants to know the Jesus you know? <laughs> who wants to know? They should want to say, I want to know the Jesus you know. That's what happened with my grandfather when he came to Christ, when I graduated from that school in my mom's kitchen. He came out that morning, he says, Gus, I came back from Hawaii for your graduation in a sense, but I didn't really come back for your graduation. I said, you didn't, Grandpa? He said, no, I was 28 years old. He said, I came back because I want to know the Jesus you know. I didn't know my grandpa had been raised in church, a Lutheran church his whole life, and when he was 16, he told the whole church and everything else, stick something up your ear. That was somewhere else, actually. <clears throat> and he went off and chose a, he was a great grandpa, I'm telling you what, he was fun. Guy loved to gamble, loved to drink, he was fun. <laughs> you know, he took me everywhere with him. I mean, I, I just had a blast with that grandpa. But I look at that and I saw he became a man of God. That's what my dad said. My sister, after three divorces, after three divorces, came to see me in Bellingham, Washington, and she said, Gus, she said, what, what's going on? You and Karen have had all kinds of problems, and yet you just have this joy and this, your marriage is together. And I said, sis, it's about Christ. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know you believe in Jesus. But the Jesus you believe in doesn't do diddly squat. You don't know him. Sis, you want to know him. You don't want to believe in him. You want to know him. Now, sis, do you want to know him? She said, oh, I do. She says, Gus, I want to know the Jesus you know. <laughs> I've never known that Jesus. And in my house, she did. Well, along that same journey, I'd come back from Africa with hepatitis, and that was another opportunity. And so I was feeling less than stellar. And I didn't know I had hepatitis. And on my way back, I'd been there for three weeks, and on my way back, I had to do a conference in New York and then another one in Chicago. And I was just feeling really lousy and I got back and I said, is there, who's the best doctor in town? And they said, Jim Major. So I went and I called and I got an appointment. I didn't know what I had. And I go in and a bunch of old people in this room. And, and uh, I thought, this is for an old doctor? He's an internal medicine doctor or something. And I walked in and when I, I got hepatitis and I found out I had hepatitis. And you have to say, where were you? And I said, well, I've been in Africa. I was in New York. I was in Chicago. They said, oh, forget it. We're not telling anybody. And, and <laughs> 
all those people got hepatitis by touching me or something. And, and I knew this doctor knew the Lord, but I knew he didn't believe in him to where his life was changed. And so over time, I became a friend of this doctor, and I watched him dedicate and surrender his life. His belief system became a reality, and he surrendered his will to the Lord. That doctor is my brother-in-law. He married my old reprobate sister. <laughs> huh? What was that? Oh, the Navajo. I'm telling too many stories. I, I, well, the reason I'm telling you this, men, God, God's want, the reason I'm telling you this, God wants to do so many things you can't understand. Now, I'll tell you this. This is the holiness of Christ. What, when you live in the holiness, when you live to say, look, I'm going to give glory to God. I'm going to give glory to God. I don't know what this is. So the years I, I graduated in, in a, well, actually, I hadn't graduated. The story of the Navajos is before. This is why I, Anyway, there's too much. Anyway, I'm in California. I'm back in California. I, I left Colorado because I, I dedicated my life in Colorado, but the pastor right away said, I think God's on you. He wants you in the ministry. I was so irritated that he said that I moved overnight. I, we packed up overnight and moved to California because I'm not going to be in the ministry. And, I, and then when I got to California, this pastor that we had met that married us and uh, led my wife to Christ, we started going to church, and he says, I think you've been called to the ministry. I said, I'm not going to the ministry. Let's get that squared away. And so then I went to the Mojave Desert, and I, lay, I went politely to the Mojave Desert, because they always seem to go to the desert in the book. So I went to the desert, and I knelt down, and I said, now, Father, let you and I get something squared away. I'm really, I'm very polite to you. I'm honoring to you. And I said, I'm not going in the ministry, and if you don't understand that, you and I are not going to have a good relationship during this journey. <laughs> in Jesus' name. That's how I did it. That's exactly how I did it. I was really honoring. I thought, man, I honored the Lord. Felt pretty good about it. I'm going to create businesses and be a multimillionaire. I always told my wife, you're marrying a man who's going to be a multimillionaire. She's always wondered, when is that going to start? <laughs> well, then this pastor says to me, I want you to understand the, the preciousness if you'll believe God. He says, Gus, in about six months, I'm going to the Navajo Reservation out in Arizona in the Four Corners, and I'd like you to go with me. And I said, well... I said, uh, I'm in the roofing business, and I said, aren't I supposed to pray about that or something before I say yes? He said, well, okay, I'll pray about it all week, and then I'll let you know next Sunday. So I prayed all week, Lord, do you want me to go there? Do you want me to go there? I mean, why do I want to go to the Navajos? And I felt like the Lord said, go, I want you to go. So I came to the pastor and said, I will go. Well, about two months went by, and I lost my job. I got laid off. The construction just collapsed. If you're in the construction business, you understand how all of a sudden it just stops. And all of a sudden, I lose the little apartment we're in. I have to move in with my mother and father. I've got three kids. My dad's a reprobate still, you know. And um, he's having a rough time with us there. I'm having a rough time being there. I don't know what God's doing. I'm looking for work. I'm trying to do, be a I'll do anything for work. And all of a sudden, I finally get work again. I've been working for two weeks. And the pastor says, oh, hey, Gus, by the way, next week we're leaving. For the whole week. I said, we're what? He said, yeah, next week we're leaving. I said, oh. So I went home and told my wife, and I told my dad. I said, hey, you know, six months ago this happened, and the Lord told me to go. My dad says, I'm going to tell you what. If you go, your family will be on the street. Man, this is kicking his grandkids out and everything. Okay. I said, okay, praise God, okay. And <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to go. And I, so my wife and I came to this conclusion. Hey, 
I'll go to the foreman of the roofing company, big company in those days, Jerry Wagner's company, and I'll go, and I'm, I'm one of their top roofers, but I said, and I'll say, hey, I told him the story six months ago, da 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 If you say I can go, I'll go. If you say no, I'll stay. That's a, that's a God thing. So I told him, I said, hey, I told him the story, and he looks at me with a big smile on his face. He says, not a problem, you can go. And then he swore at me, and he said, said a few words to me, and said, in fact, you're fired for even asking. I looked at him and I thought, are you kidding? He said, pick up your box, get your tools, and get off this property. Okay, so I've got my tools, and I go home, and Karen says, well, what do you say? And he said, I said, he said I can go. (laughs) (laughs) He fired me. She said, what? I said, he fired me, so I'm going. She said, okay. My dad kicks them out. My wife and my kids go to live with a pastor's wife while we're gone. I go to the Navajo Reservation, I get there, I'm in, I'm in a place that looks like I went back into the cowboy days. And I've got a bunch of 16 and 17 Navajo kids, and they said, now remember, they don't laugh, they don't do that. And I said, well, I'm gonna flip, flip, six teenagers, man. You know, I'm 24 years old, and I get into this place, and God starts to do something, and I can only tell you that he came down. And those kids became so alive in Jesus Christ, I was teaching them the Gospel of John, and they became alive. Next thing I know, I'm in every Hogan of those houses. I took them out and I had a 55 Chevy old pickup truck, put them in the back of the truck and drove them all over the place, out into Tuleyville, ate in all these little Hogan's. And when it was over on that day, I went back, I, I'm leaving that last one. Man, I was just weeping. I was so overwhelmed. With, I'd never experienced something like this. And I was out way out on the Navajo Reservation, no one out there. I was going back on this old sandy dirt road. I got it, stopped the truck, got out, that old 55 Chevy, four-wheel drive. You had to have it in four-wheel drive. You couldn't get anywhere. And I went just like this. It's one of the first times I'd ever remember lifting my hands before the Lord. And I lifted my arms like this. No one could see me. And I said, Father, if you want me in your ministry, I will go. I can't think of anything more blessed than giving your sons and daughters your breath. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) I went back. My life was changed. I go back, get my family, and I thought, I'm going to go see if I can get my job back. Okay? I go down. I go over to, it's a huge, in California, they build these massive track homes, okay? These were huge homes, shake roofs. I go back, and there is a 10-foot chain-link fence around the whole track. The track went bankrupt. The day that guy fired me on Friday, he was fired from Jerry Wagner's roofing. The whole crew never went back to that track for a year. And I thought, cool. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! Had I stayed, I would not have had a job anyway. And then the Lord opened up the doors. Men of God, I want to tell you this, that God has an eternal plan for you to overwhelm you with his presence and joy. I want you to know, and I'm going to read this to you, and let this be the psalm of your life. Let this be the one that says, hon, I want to know what kind of man I have become. You want to know what God did in me? You know where I've been, sweetheart. You know, my family knows where I've been. My mother and father knew where I've been. I used to tell my mom, and it's really weird when you become the pastor to your mom and dad, you know. And they, they were in Bellingham, and I remember one time mom was sitting right down there, and I said, I want you to understand people, because they all think, you know when you're the pastor, they think, they just think something weird about you, like, you know, it's just plain weird. And I said, I promise you, I did not come out of my mother's womb aglow. And she said, look, a man of God's been born. 
And my mom's sitting right there, and she says, you can count on that. <laughs> Men of God, let this be the psalm of your life in the holiness of Christ. I give it to you because this is what we are called to be. This is us. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. This is us. Worship the Lord. How do I worship? I worship with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. Oh, know that the Lord is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his. Who are we? We're his. That's every one of us in this room. You've been called for a great journey. Uh, There's no one that can do what you do. No one has your personality. No one has your gifts. And everything you do will give glory to God. Everything you do will bring joy to your soul. You will find ways to praise God in which you never knew. If, assuming you dropped your chains. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures. Now come, my sons and daughters, he says, and enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Men of God, I am such so blessed to have been here. I did not know what to expect. I wasn't sure how I got here except through Matt Peck. I knew that man a number of years ago and with his dad, Dave, and I, and doing it at Harbor Baptist Church in Winchester Bay. Amen? <laughs> I went there to Winchester Bay in my motorhome. I had a beautiful motorhome for eight weeks, and God came down, and I didn't even know how I was getting there. And I got here, and I, Gary and I, as we were coming, we were praying we could feel God's good pleasure. And he, when I asked Gary to come, I want you to know what a man of faith. Matt said, you can bring someone with you. I said, cool. So I went to Gary, and I said, hey, you want to go to Oregon with me? He said, sure. He said, what am I doing? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I said, you're going to go. <laughs> you're going to go with me. He's one of my dearest friends on the planet. He's a man after the heart of God. God puts songs in his soul, and then he writes them down. And most of the times, the songs he writes are like prayers put to music. That's the one we've been singing. And I looked, and I said, we came not knowing what to expect except the Lord was coming. We didn't know who would be here. And I want you to know, the Lord has called you here to give you a renewal, to awaken you to never be ashamed or embarrassed again. Men of God, you are great men of God, you are righteous men of God, and you are holy men of God. And I always tell you, if you want to do something, I'm looking for 300 men that want to get into a fight. I'm looking for 300 men that want to get into a fight for the glory of God and the souls of men. You can look us up on the web, you just look up Overwhelmed by Grace. Look up Overwhelmed by Grace, or you can do what one man did. He said, I just Googled your name. And I said, you what? He said, I Googled your name. I just put Gus Bess, and bam, all that stuff came up. I said, what stuff? <laughs> I, I don't know who puts the stuff on there, but fortunately it was all good. Okay? So, men of God, our guys are going to come and lead us in a song, and as they're coming, I would like to pray a blessing upon you. And then when I finish with this blessing, I'm going to ask you to stand And instead of saying amen, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands and shout to God for me. We'll do it together. So, Father, may your sons receive this blessing.
May they be overwhelmed with your grace. May they understand that they have been transformed and they're renewed of their mind by the power of the Holy Spirit, that he will never leave them, he will never forsake them. May they know as of this day, now and forever, that their hands are holy. Oh, Father, their hands are holy. Let them delight themselves in you and then you're going to grant them the desires of the heart and through your sons in this room, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands and millions of people's lives will be changed. May this be a time for them to remember. May it be a time for them to go home delighting. May their face look like the joy of you, the joy of the Lord. And Father, grant to them the thrill of worship with gladness. Sing for joy. No longer be afraid. Let them dance before you. Let them lift their hands unafraid and unabashed to say, I lift my hands because they've been made holy by the blood of the Lamb. And so, Father, we present ourselves before you. Men, would you stand? And let's present ourselves before the Lord. Let's lift our hands before the Lord. Father, we lift our hands. We present ourselves before you. And we give this shout to you with great joy. One, two, three. Yes! Oh, men of God, amen to you. Thank you for letting us be here.